Hi everyone, I'm David Blenauer and welcome to Conversation with a Manager, Stories from the Frontline. This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that managers, particularly frontline managers, are key to an organization's success. This podcast is also in search of the best counsel and advice from experienced managers for anyone who's new to the role of manager. Today's guest is April Jean-Gras. April is a 23-year veteran of the home construction industry. April is the VP of Community Experience for TriPoint Homes, an organization based in Nevada. In that role, she has broad responsibilities for many aspects of the business, including the sales team, the design studio team, closing services team, and marketing. Here with some initial thoughts about his conversation with April is today's host, Steve King. Hey, Steve. Hey, David. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your conversation with April. April and I had a great conversation about a number of topics, including some of the negative self-talk that dogged her when she first became a manager, the value of mentorship, and the value of assessment tools to help coach others. Some of those topics will warehouse for bonus material and maybe even future episodes. But today, we're going to focus on one of the challenges that April faced dealing with an underperforming employee. As the saying goes, there are two certainties in life death and taxes. In a manager's life, there's a third certainty. You'll have to deal with an underperforming individual at some point in time. The way April tells the story, it's a story of realization and recognition, action and missteps, mutual self-discovery, recovery, and resolution, which is just a high-minded way of saying it's an interesting story. While no two stories about underperforming team members are the same, I think this story has some through lines, some lessons learned, most managers can adapt for their own use when facing a situation similar to April. So sit back and enjoy this excerpt from my conversation with April. So April, tell me about one of the greatest challenges you face personally as a manager and how you overcame that challenge. Dude, I would share with you um, one, one very much so stood out to my mind thinking about this, and it was underperforming team. And I had just joined the team. I was fairly new to this team at the time. And one of the first things that I rec- I recognized was that this team member was openly recognized by the others on the team that this person was underperforming. And it really stood out. And I, I remember thinking, goodness, how must this feel if you're the underperforming team member on the team and everybody kind of in the room is recognizing and kind of pointing fingers when they go, what happened? Cool. Um, and so when I think back to um, probably the biggest challenge that I faced, I was a new manager somewhat inexperienced in terms of fully understanding how to manage such a thing um, with an underperforming team member. I remember that one very clearly in the top of my mind. So that was your challenge. How'd you deal with it? My first approach was to really start, um, and I don't want to say this was probably the best approach, but I'm going to share the full story of what happened. My first approach as a manager was to start by saying, hey, I'm going to be this person's friend. And my thought at the time was, well, if they like me, then they're going to become productive, right? I mean, aren't they going to want to do what I want them to do if I'm their friend? Well, that didn't work so well. So did you get a friend out of the deal at least? No. Yes, I think no. it was a full circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it was a full circle. But, you know, what I really learned was that when you see an issue, I think overall, when you start to see an issue, that you really need to address it. And clearly, you've got to get in realignment with that person. You need to set some good expectations, potentially. You got to be consistent then with the follow-up and the accountability. And you can do it with kindness. So I don't think it means that you can't be, you know, uh, kind in the way that you manage through it. But those are some of the things that I definitely learned. I also learned 
personally um, about something about myself during this process. And it was the lack of action was really being done, not for the benefit of the team member, but maybe out of my own selfishness. What do you mean? I was avoiding having those tough conversations initially and trying to take the easy route because it made me young. Yeah, yeah. I can relate in early management roles I had. I didn't think I was doing the exact same thing. I wonder if it's common for all of us. I wonder if most of us do the same thing, just the discomfort of it all. I think sometimes we don't realize, we think we're we're being kind or that we're we're trying to be helpful to that person. Um, and, and when you really can stop and think, goodness, why am I not having these conversations? What's the real reason for it? Then at least for me, that was what I was able to identify was that I was probably being a little selfish. It was really more about me versus about them. Um, I wasn't helping them by accepting the bad behavior um, that was leading to that less desired performance. I was potentially enabling by trying to be their friend. Um, and then I had to ask my question, myself that question is, what message did that send to the other team members, right? And then um, was that how I wanted to be perceived by my team? So tell me the end of the story. So what happened? It's actually a really cool story. I think about it a lot. Um, even today, um, if I pull up my Facebook feed and when I see this person, um, I smile and, and remember this incident. So, you know, I really sat down with this uh, team member and really got back to the basics. I realized I needed a plan, right? So versus going out and being a friend, I really needed to create some type of outline that's going to help me when I met with this person to really set some good expectations of what we wanted this to look like and come come to the meeting with an approach of I want to be helpful and a resource to that person. So I remember starting by, you know, just taking a step back and asking a lot of questions about them. What did they like about their job? Things like, what did she appreciate about the company or culture? The reason for those questions was really to better help identify the reason for the underperformance. Um, I think we forget that sometimes and sometimes we just assume it's just because they don't want to do it. But there's usually a lot of emotion or a lot, there's some reason behind why they're choosing not to. And sometimes it can be that they simply don't like their job or they don't believe in what they're trying to accomplish. And in sales, talk a lot about the fact that you've, you've got to believe that you're there to the benefit of the customer, that you're doing something for them. You're not doing something to them. And sales is a challenge because oftentimes when we say there are salespeople, we think of like, you know, the old car salesman in the car lot. Right. Pushing and kind or, you know, just there to make his commission. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that you that I realized that I needed to identify um, that might be holding this person back, actually doing the things and being successful, because I really do think that most people want to be recognized as doing a good job. And I think especially for sales team members. They want to sit in a room and see their numbers on the board and be happy about the accomplishment. They don't want to be the one in the corner where everyone's kind of pointing the finger going, yeah, she didn't make her sales numbers again this month. So it's like, how do you help them? And so I took that approach with this person um, and really just started with conversation. And um, I think the overall outcome was this. I took the information I learned from the sales team member, started those conversations, really kind of outlined like, what are our, what do we want to accomplish together? How can I help you? And then we really set a game plan together. Um, and over the next, I want to say it was probably several weeks um, was the commitment time. We really sat down and and drilled into what were the things that she was uncomfortable with doing? And what were the things that were holding her back from being successful? Um, and um, we kept to that game plan. You know, I will say that um, 
the way that this story ends is that um, we did end up um, parting ways. We ended up parting ways. And that's because they found that the job wasn't for them? That's exactly it, Steve. Um, I ran into this person. This is um, kind of the cool part of the story. So we decide that after weeks and weeks of working on our outline together and partnering together to identify how we could see success in this role, she realized that maybe this isn't what I want to do anymore. And maybe there is something different for me to do. And we talked a lot about the relationship then went to talking about what are some of the things that she'd like to see herself doing outside of what she was currently doing? And what are some of the skills that she currently has? I mean, we went in depth about personal things with her, such as what are the things that I've recognized as her leader that she does really well? What could that look like if she were to replicate that into another role? And what would that role and what would she want to do? The story ends with, I ran into, after we part ways, I ran into this person a few months later in the grocery store and she saw me, she runs up and she gives me a big hug and she shared how thankful that she was that we had come to the same conclusion. Wow. So to, yeah, first of all, love the end of that story. Not that someone lost their job, but someone was retreated with respect and found a better place. And also part of what I heard in your story is when I confirm what I heard, you went from being a performance coach to a career coach. Would that be accurate? Yeah, it's interesting how those things can evolve and you don't really even realize they're happening when you focus on truly caring about your people. And I guess maybe the end of the story is that your team who saw, as you said earlier, the performance of this individual was maybe subpar, that they saw you deal with the issue and that probably worked well for them too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree. I think it's important that we um, help our teams recognize the expectations that we have all for each other. And there's some sense of that social proof that needs to take place that we're all being held accountable to the same certain something. The other thing I'll add is that I'm still Facebook friends um, and I've really watched her succeed in this role and position that she moved into. It's been 15 plus years approximately. Um, and so when she pops up on my feed every once in a while, I got to tell you, it feels great. It just feels great to see her doing the things with her family, um, experiencing life and that she's still doing that same something that she left our company um, to go do. So that's really cool. And I know that some of the fellow team members at the time um, that we all, when we all work together, um, I noticed that she's also Facebook friends with a few of them. So it seems like it, it was a win. What a great story. This podcast is supported by NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. NRECA's broad range of products and services include a robust portfolio of leadership programs that provide learners with the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to lead at all levels of their co-op and succeed in today's rapidly changing electric utility industry. Visit cooperative.com learning to explore the value of learning with NRECA. And we're back here with Steve. Steve, there's plenty of good stuff in this segment with April. So what were some of the highlights that stood out to you? Four topics really stood out to me that I'd like to comment on. April's initial hesitation to address the issues of underperformance. April's philosophy that people really want to do a good job. Career coaching and the notion of friendships with team members. Okay, that's a good set of topics. Let's start at the beginning with April's hesitation. You know, 
I think it's pretty normal for all of us as managers or many of us as managers to hesitate to address underperformance when we first see it. But, you know, it's not a great practice. If I have an employee who's been doing great work and great work and great work, and suddenly they do something that's not quite right, you know, I might, I might take a pass on that. But if there is a pattern that's emerged of underperformance, then you need to address it head on and without hesitation. You want to do it with respect and you want to do it with empathy, but you got to address it. Just like that classic Barney Five Fly nip it in the bud. How about her management philosophy? Well, she's very clear that she believes people want to come to work, do a good job. And generally, I agree with her. I think there might be a few exceptions to that rule, but generally, I think that's true. So I think that's a good starting point. It's a great philosophy for people to start with. It's like a generous benefit of the doubt. And if you start there, and if things don't work out, you know, it's just change course. But I think as a starting point, it's a, it's a healthy starting point. It's good to give someone the benefit of a doubt, sort of a glass half full philosophy. How do you feel about her role as a career coach? You know, most managers readily accept their role as performance coach. When performance goes sideways, managers, ideally in collaboration with the employee, you know, analyze the root cause, determine a plan, make a decision for adjusting and so on. I think, you know, that's great. That's exactly what they normally and would be expected to do. But what if things don't get better? And in April's story, things did not get better. And she shifted to becoming a career coach. She made a pivot. Now, I find that a lot of managers avoid this role of career coach. A lot of them take this attitude that it's not their responsibility to manage someone's career. It's someone else's uh, management responsibility. I disagree with that. I think April would disagree with that. And a lot of employees would disagree with that too. They want guidance from their manager and input from their manager about where their career is going inside an organization. And they would value a manager that provides that. April's pivot to career coaching in this situation, I think is best practice. One we should all consider being prepared to make. And finally, last but not least, being friends with team members. What are your thoughts on navigating that kind of relationship? Yeah, you know, this is a dicey topic, right? I think it's inevitable when you've managed a long time that you are going to become friends with some of your employees, some of the team members. Why? You know, you share common interests, your kids go to the same school, you're on the soccer field with them, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think it's inevitable, but there need to be, and are really are, some rules of the road in these kinds of friendships. For example, Let's say you become good friends with a couple of the people that work for you. You cannot show them favoritism in any way, shape, or form. That'd be a pretty obvious rule of the road. I think April violated one of those rules of the road, which is trying to leverage her friendship to extract performance. Uh, that is a recipe for either losing a friend or not improving the performance or probably both. When performance is subpar, managers need to put on their performance coach hat and set that friendship aside, for, at least for a moment. If that friendship is a good one, it will withstand that adjustment. And with that, we conclude this episode of Conversation with a Manager. If you enjoyed this podcast and feel like others could learn from it as well, feel free to share it with your friends and colleagues. A big thank you to our guest, April Gingra, for sharing some of her personal experiences as a manager. And before we go, we'd like to leave you with one last clip from Steve's conversation with April about terminating a team member and how that seemingly uncomfortable situation may not always have to be so difficult. Yeah. By the way, 
this is going to sound odd. I, this is like off subject kind of, but just to comment about this. I have found a number of people who are really outstanding managers and leaders who remain friends with the people they fired. And I think there's something about the connection they made during that difficult moment that connected them, that allowed them to kind of remain close, I'll call it professionally close, um, for a long period of time. It is kind of an interesting. So I don't really think of people's, when they get fired, they're kind of, or let go, there's sort of animosity and so on. But it doesn't always have to be that way, does it? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really interesting something. You know, I wonder oftentimes, um, it's kind of similar to like when you're in a tragedy and losing a job is probably, I would assume, one of the top five things that would cause stress in someone's life, right? Or be perceived yeah. as a tragedy. Um, and so it's like when you're in a tragedy in a moment or a life-saving moment, some, would save, some stranger saves your life on the side of the street from a car accident, right? You have this immediate connection that kind of happens. And I wonder if it's something related to that as well, where you're in this emotional time in your life and you're really looking for someone and you find someone who truly cares enough to invest in you in that moment um, versus brushing it off and moving on. That's impactful. And I think that that stays, stays with us for a really long time. Support for this podcast comes from NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. Driven by member feedback and engagement, NRECA's mission is to be the trusted resource, champion the cause, and inspire the future of the industry. 